This week in the parish of Bourses and Market Structure, CME beats the street estimates in a results binge. SIBO writes down their ASX purchase and ASX disappoints once again with their digital asset chess replacement fiasco. My name is Patrick L. Young. Welcome to the Bourse Business Weekly Digest. It's the Exchange Invest Weekly Podcast, episode 155. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. This is a brief reduction of highlights amongst the key headlines from the week in market structure. All the analysis of the many events and happenings from the past seven days can be found in Exchange Invest's daily subscriber newsletter, the unique guide to the bourse business sent daily to your inbox. More details at exchangeinvest.com. New Zealand Exchange are establishing a corporate governance institute NZX Chair James Miller says the purpose of the new body will be to assist New Zealand Exchange by delivering recommendations in relation to the development of the NZX Corporate Governance Code and rule settings that apply to the corporate governance practices of issuers on the main board of NZX. Meanwhile, in the UK, fabulous article this week in the Daily Telegraph by Barnabas Reynolds, a full-throated cri de coeur as he seeks an outbreak of British government to give Britain a much better chance of post-Brexit advantage. Our markets must be freed from the stifling remnants of Brussels' red tape, goes the headline. Meanwhile, not so much red tape as a thin red line, a red line of judgment, that is, from the courts. Citadel Securities lost their lawsuit to block an IEX order type that is attempting to rid their market of high-frequency trading. Speaking of IEX, from one to the other IEX, this is the Indian Energy Exchange as opposed to the Flash Boys, their stock was surging last week as the Indian Power Ministry sought to remove a cap on the high price market segment. If formalised, the move will boost trading volumes and transaction fees for the power exchanges, of which the market leader in India is of course the IEX. The Ukrainian power market, their eyeing electricity trading for exports and regional market coupling. While over in the USA, big news in the settlement front, SIFMA ICI and DTCC have published the T plus one implementation playbook as the industry readies for accelerated settlement. This amounts to perhaps the most exciting project in the world of parish consultants right now with a huge number of them all eager to join the bandwagon of T plus 1. Not so much T plus 1 as headcount minus 23% as Robin Hood. They led off almost a quarter of their staff as retail investors have faded from the platform. And at the same time, the DFS, the Department for Financial Services in New York, they announced a $30 million penalty on Robin Hood's crypto division for significant anti-money laundering, cybersecurity and consumer protection violations. Gosh, that's the equivalent of 3 million payments for order flow pass-throughs levied by the NYDFS for these AML and cybersecurity failures. 
That amounts to way more than the Sheriff of Nottingham ever got from the original Robin Hood, even if we generously allow for a thousand years of inflation adjustment. In results this week, it was a frantic week for results in the parish, more of them coming in even as we were recording this podcast, and indeed thereafter. If you want all the details, of course, they come first in Exchange Invest Daily, the newsletter no person can afford to be without in capital markets and market structure. For the sake of this podcast, let's just look at a few edited highlights. CME, they announced remarkably strong revenue overall, albeit they sort of hid the information because they never tend to use a lot of comparatives in their IR speak. Nonetheless, not a bad set of results with operating income increasing 15.7% from the prior year quarter to $750 million. Disappointing numbers, however, from SIBO, but that was largely due to the fact that they've bitten the bullet first in crypto winter, writing down the X expansion. That means their crypto-centric platform has already been strongly written down against the purchase cost, which could look virtuous on one level. It's also subtly putting pressure on public and private entities alike who are vastly more exposed to Bitcoin and friends in the cryptocurrency universe, whereas for SIBO, essentially their crypto business is a rounding error. As an acquisitive entity in recent years, the rapid write-down by SIBO makes sense as it may help more and better price deals in the crypto space, whereas, of course, the crypto players are all now under great pressure to justify their valuations. DFM, Dubai Financial Markets, they had spectacular net profit jump up 134%, while Bursa Kuwait weren't quite so impressive, but still no slouch net profits up 36.8%. And good to see, despite the ongoing turmoil, which amounts to South Africa's government, the fact that the Johannesburg Stock Exchange were able to deliver a strong double-digit increase in operating revenue, up 10%, and indeed earnings per share up 29%. Well done there to JSE. Last but not least, we should probably mention Robinhood because while announcing the layoff of 23% of their staff and also copping that swinging $30 million fine, nonetheless, total net revenues up 6% and actually altogether not a dreadful adjusted EBITDA of minus $80 million. There's only one daily news source for the business of bourses, Exchange Invest, the exchange of information. Exchange Invest publishes the daily digest of everything in the market structure industry around the world in a user-friendly email briefing format from Monday to Friday. With additional pith by former Exchange CEO and long-standing fintech pioneer Patrick L. Young, yes, that's me, Exchange Invest is the unique one-stop shop for the daily news in markets, market operators and related functions. Exchange Invest is available to subscribers at 200 US dollars per user per year or currency equivalent. You can get more details at exchangeinvest.com or email me patrick at derivativesvision.com. In new markets this week, also a busy week for new markets in the parish. But again, all the information was in Exchange Invest Daily, the newsletter no person can afford to be without in capital markets and market structure. For the sake of this podcast, we will mention two They're all in India. India's Singapore Exchange Indian joint venture kicked off their derivatives trading link this week. And in fact, it was a joy to see the Indian Prime Minister, Mr. Modi, making his visit. Previously, monsoon rains had postponed that for a couple of weeks. 
He launched the International Indian Bullion Exchange, bringing transparency to gold. And indeed, it's possible to get very rapid clearance of your gold through the IIBX market if you are using that across the Indian subcontinent. Also, of course, that STX link brings in their new exchange for the Indians, which is going to be trading the Nifty 50 futures. Although, for the time being, the Nifty 50 remains open in Singapore exchange as well. Upcoming news, India seems to be planning a carbon market. And indeed, the Prime Minister Modi may be opening that carbon trade platform as soon as August 15th. In deals this week... No sooner had they opened than we have the Honest Columnist offering is a merger of two IFSC stock exchanges on the horizon. Good grief, Prime Minister Modi had barely got back to New Delhi before there was discussion and speculation that we're going to suddenly see mergers between all of the different exchanges that is going to happen within the IFC, the International Financial Services Centre in Gift City. Huge deal of the week. Expansive, who recently raised a round of funding, they announced that they are acquiring APX to scale their environmental commodity market infrastructure. That's a great expansion by Expansive, who you may recall were represented in our IPO vid 055 by Henrik Hasselknipe discussing holistic renewable energy and carbon. And indeed, if you want to keep up with what's happening in the world of events, don't forget to pick up a copy of my book, Victory or Death, Blockchain, Cryptocurrency and the Fintech World, published by DV Books and distributed by Ingram Worldwide. And of course, our live stream has been continuing, although it's about to go on hiatus, but you can catch all the back issues, IPO slash vid, if you want to search for it on YouTube and indeed also on Facebook and LinkedIn. Our last show before the summer break was an absolute must view. Stephen Sears of Option Solutions discussing developing your options. Amongst other pithy gems, bad investors think of ways to make money, but good investors think of ways not to to lose money. Next show coming up after Labor Day, September the 13th. That's going to be with the good folks of Expre. But of course, in the meantime, if you're bored or if you're just missing IPO vid, don't forget to drop by IPO-vid on YouTube. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly. We welcome your feedback. You can contact me directly, patrick at derivativesvision.com with any comments. Meanwhile, if you enjoyed this show, we would welcome you giving us a thumbs up. Or if you have time, a positive review will always be welcome wherever you find this podcast. In Cryptoland this week, big news. Kathy Wood's ARK Fund have been dumping some Coinbase shares for the first time this year. They offloaded over 1.4 million Coinbase shares as the coin price was sinking once again. Finally, a yelp of pain from perhaps the most bullish cheerleader for coin as Kathy Wood was reducing her stock purchases, having been a buyer just about everywhere from circa $400 all the way down to the current circa $60 over the course of a slight bounce during the course of the past week. Meanwhile, crypto exchange Binance says Ireland is part of its regional HQ plans as their road to Damascus, or perhaps one might say road to Dublin conversion, has made them love the concept of regulation after all. That, of course, came in the same week as their compliance officer was noting the fact that KYC has cost the exchange billions in revenue. Well, there's the real world for you. 
Product news this week. The Japan Exchange Group are announcing a new capitalism IPO initiative that's in keeping with the new capitalism plan of Prime Minister Fumio Kishida. The Hong Kong Exchange has got busy with Chinese firms seeking a status change. And indeed, Beijing-listed companies may also be big news in Switzerland. Six Swiss Exchange officially launched the Swiss GDR leg of the China-Switzerland Stock Connect alongside Shanghai and Shenzhen Stock Exchanges this week, with four companies listing on the first day. In total, of course, don't forget Alibaba and some 270 other Chinese companies remain a step away from U.S. stock exchange delisting. Technology news this week, and we headlined it at the very start of the show. The very boring ASX market announcement 22-204MR delay to the ASX chess replacement project and an independent review. That, of course, brought out all folks in the Australian media to pillory the hapless ASX. ASIC, the Australian regulator, even noted, it is now time for a careful and independent review of ASX's and digital assets work to date on the chess replacement and the work needed to complete the project. It is critical that ASX and the market have a high degree of confidence and certainty in a new go-live date. Management continuity generally gets a good write-up. However, in the case of ASX, a new CEO maintaining a vastly costly, reputation-decimating technology program, where first-mover advantage will turn into lagging the parish by the time it gets completed, if it ever does, that could be perceived as an exception to the management continuity is good concept. It's also a damning indictment of the process of choosing ASX CEOs. At least in a low-latency world of the modern era, ASX CEOs can now self-immolate their credibility within weeks, whereas predecessors took longer to reveal their unsuitability for high office. Catastrophism is a media excess these days, but in this case the ASX delivers a very valid opportunity for the mainstream media to be as apocalyptic as is humanly feasible. Appointing an independent reviewer in Accenture amounts to guards watching for embers floating across the Tiber while you have a good old fiddle jam session. Ultimately, ASX was once self-fated as a technology company and indeed once upon a time was genuinely ahead of the curve. But that was a generation and more ago. Having been a first mover ahead of the curve, it's now a busted flush with dwindling tech credibility. Digital Asset, likewise, has egg not merely on its face, but presumably on most every other API too. Albeit, at least Digital Asset Holdings have a pilot program running for HKEX called Synapse, which is due to be in production sometime this year, suggesting at least they have learned lessons along the way, even if ASX DAH has been unable to stop money being spent without tangible results. As a first test of the new CEO, Helen Lofthouse, this is a spectacular fail. And I take absolutely no pleasure in this remark. I am truly gutted that once excellent exchange ASX, and indeed also within that the SFE, have been reduced to incoherence, more becoming a barely transistorized third world state in the analogue 1970s. 
Regulation news this week, the British financial watchdog is toughening rules on high-risk product ads. That's bad news for peer-to-peer and probably crowdfunding too. At the same time, I would presume that the Bank of England won't be doing any advertising for the time being, as their failure to manage inflation ought to certainly come under these high-risk rules for advertising. Of course, central banks are in the crosswires of many in these high inflationary times. And indeed, this week we saw Italian bonds dealt a fresh blow by an S&P ratings outlook change. That, of course, comes at the same time as the hustings are open for the latest Italian general election, which looks likely to return a government which is, if not outright Eurosceptic, certainly not as dementedly Europhile as those that Brussels has managed to install in recent years. At the same time, I'm not sure why there isn't a rating of Coyote Ugly on bonds, because even the EU, which has attempted to influence pressurised ratings agencies over the years, cannot now paper over the gaping cracks in the Italian economy. And meanwhile, even the perma-europhiles around Bloomberg News are warming up to my Germany is endorsing the UK's approach to the 1970s meme, which I've been talking about for the last couple of years. As the Bloomberg report goes, Germany gave us schadenfreude, and now it's experiencing the business end of the concept. Its long-standing foreign policy, Bloomberg continues, of pandering to Russia has resulted in Russia holding the whole continent hostage with a natural gas pipeline. Suffering most of all is Germany, which needs that sweet, sweet gas to power its factories. It is suggested Europeans' southern states share its pain, to which these states have responded by wondering where Germany's sense of solidarity was a decade ago, when its only response to their financial crisis was stop whining, or in German, hör auf zu jammern. Then again, of course, I might add, it could even be the death of the European Union too. Either way, my argument for Brexit, which can be distilled as it's best to be as far removed as is humanly possible from the sinking of a titanic-sized object, even if you have to row a tiny lifeboat with the ultimate gusto, is, I feel, more valid than it was even a few months back, when folks would have scoffed at the idea the hot water would be switched off in Hanover. As always, I hope I'm wrong, and the European Union can right itself, and indeed that Germany can find a way to progress after the Merkel disaster. But my pragmatic risk management side wants head over heart dominating the PLY balance sheet. And on that mysterious and magnificent note, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Patrick L. Young, creator of Markets the World Over, publisher of Exchange Invest, the daily water cooler of the Bourse business, and I wish you all a great week in blockchain life and markets from this what has been a high summer episode 155 with multiple noisy interruptions in the background of the Exchange Invest Weekly podcast. We'll be back next week. This show relates to the business of bourses. It is not to be construed as investment advice, nor are we making any investment recommendations. Please consult an investment advisor before you make any investments, and for goodness sake, do your due diligence and do not make investments without complying with the regulations in your home state. Exchange Invest cannot be held responsible for any investment decisions made as a result of our programme, which is for entertainment purposes only. The material herein is copyright Patrick L. Young at the date of publication, while our music and sound effects are sourced from copyright-free sources.
Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly, the exchange of information.